You are listening to episode 92 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm joined by Ryan, but that's not all. Ryan, who do we have this week? Hey, everybody. This week, we're joined by the Game Tenants. And uh, as you know, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing. And this week, we say hasta la vista to a bunch of bots in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. You just made it sound like we played Terminator, sir. Now, I get the backstory, and Jason has um, mentioned it as well, but uh, this week we played Journey to Silius on the NES. Uh, so I think Jason was actually the one who suggested that one. And uh, yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and pass it off to Jason and Church of the Game Tenants podcast, let them introduce themselves, uh, and then we'll get started on our episode. So guys, uh, let's start with Church to start Hi. you guys off. What's up? I am Church, one half of the Game Tenants podcast, also of the Game Grinder. And yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, sounds good, man. Happy to have you on. Jason, uh, this is now your second go around with us, I think, in, in four weeks. Yeah, so if this isn't like your first episode, you've probably heard me before. I'm a familiar voice and I'm happy to be back. And so uh, Jason is uh, part of Corpse Flood Gaming. He's got his YouTube channel, uh, Church, obviously, the Game Grinder. Combined, they make the super duo of the Game Tenants podcast. And uh, you can, of course, find them on podcast applications such as... You guys want to go ahead and let us know? Yeah, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, you know, yeah. whatever's convenient for you. Yeah, when we combine, I'm the lower half. So... So uh, I I was gonna make a very bad joke, but I'm gonna hold off because people may, you know, people review. They may review. They may review bomb us after if I was to say that. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Okay. So guys, uh, obviously we like to start off with our pickups, but I'll give a quick brief of what we're gonna be discussing on this episode. So uh, we'll be tackling uh, the recent um, controversy of Apple confirming that cloud gaming services such as xCloud and Stadia violate their app store guidelines. So we'll get some thoughts on that. Uh, we'll go ahead and discuss Spider-Man being held hostage by Sony, which I've got my own opinions on that one. And then we'll, uh, discuss our top five platformers. So I know you guys are hating me, but top five platformers of all time, any console, no, no limits, uh, PC included church. And then uh, we'll cap it off with Journey to Silius and our thoughts on our inflation deflation challenge. So, Ryan, I'll let you kick it off, man. It looks like you got a pickup. So this is no, first. I've got stuff to talk about this week. <laughs> it's been a while. So uh, I went ahead and sent back Final Fantasy VII Remake to Gamefly because I gave up on it, like most things. And I picked up uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King, which I will definitely be giving up at some point in the near future because... Uh, I don't know. It's just not that engaging. Like, I love me some Paper Mario. I love me some Thousand Year Door. And that's kind of where my love for the series stops. And this just didn't really reignite it. Yeah, I haven't heard any good things about that game so far. I mean, visually, it looks great. Like, I'm interested in there being, like, origami. Like, that makes sense with the Paper Mario theme. But, like, man, just, like, the intro, like, the, the tutorialization bothered me and i was like man like if i'm having this much trouble just trying to get into the first part of the game like i'm definitely not going to make it that far i can already see it happening jason do you have something to say on that uh yeah i've heard some good stuff about it not not all nasty stuff but i haven't chucked my own copy in to check it out yet so gotcha can uh i heard the the battle system is takes a little getting used to but once you do it's pretty fun but uh i mean it's okay it's just not like the battle system of the old games with like the yeah. partners and the rpg mechanics like that's what drew me in besides you know the whole mario yeah, I... aesthetic and especially the paper mario like comedy take they have on everything was always great but yeah. eh, i say eh, scrap it all and just it. make super mario rpg 2 already scrap that scrap mario and luigi just mario <laughs> rpg 2 that's what everybody they're, wants. They're, friend, would, they're friends with Square again. Just do it already. That would oh. sell quite a bit. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what are you currently playing this week? Other than Paper Mario. Okay, so I played a little bit of that. Everybody knows I've been playing some Dark Souls 3. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm at the point where I'm at the Undead Legion. Like I went in the first time and like I almost beat it the first time I thought, except for, you know, it's one of those two stage battles. And I gave it like a good five or six tries. And I don't know. I think I may have gotten my Dark Souls fix. Like I think a lot of my problem with wanting to play games is like, I just kind of want to mess around in the world with the mechanics and stuff. I don't necessarily want to push all the way through. Like, uh, I really love Bloodborne, and I really made, like, a good try through Bloodborne, but I kind of feel the same way I was feeling in Sekido. Like, I get it. I understand what I'm doing, and I'm having fun with it, but now it's just a point of, you know, get good, try hard, and stack souls so that I can make my numbers bigger so that I can keep moving forward, and I'm just like, it's all the fun, man. Uh, do you, do you I'll... summon help? No. You... Well, summon help? Dude, yeah, summon help. It'll be so much easier. Plus, I think the game has help that you can get without even having to like summon an actual person. Well, it's not even about like it's not about like the challenge. The challenge isn't what's driving me away. It's just mm. like I feel like I've gotten my fill of like wanting to use those mechanics and explore that world in that way. Like I've already seen so much Dark Souls 3 content online that it's like i'm not playing it to go through the story and see the bosses and see the locations like i've seen you know 10 dozen you know 10 or a dozen hours of that kind of stuff on youtube already so it's like that's not what's driving me i just i wanted to play with the game i played with the game and i think i may have been like satisfied with like okay I did some Dark Souls for a little bit. That was I think, fun. I think it's funny you said like 10 dozen at first because that's probably yeah. about how, how long I put into the game was 10 dozen hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love those games. Uh, okay, so anything else you're playing this week? Oh, uh, I went over to a friend's house and uh, they were playing Sea of Thieves online and I, I don't hope have you were, a way to play. I hope you were sea social distance, Ryan. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but... Uh, I played a little bit of that and I hadn't really heard a lot of great stuff about Sea of Thieves, but for me, I thought it was like a ton of fun. Just like the little bit that I got to engage with it. Like it might not be like the online service game. That's going to keep you there for tens of dozens of hours, but I, I like sailing. I thought the sailing mechanics were pretty cool. I think that the like picking up and acquiring your loot as you go and then trying not to die so that you don't lose everything on your boat and then respawning, you know, once you do die and it's like, Oh shit, now we got to like reset up our boat and go out and do some more stuff. That seems like a pretty fun loop to be a part of. And especially if you have like a whole crew of people all on the boat doing their own things to try to like, you know, man, the cannons manage the sails, steer the boat. Like that seems like a lot of fun. And, uh, I'd like to look into that more if I have a way that I can actually play it. Gotcha. Yeah, I heard it was pretty bare bones at first, but you know, through the content they've been adding, it's actually getting to be a pretty cool game. It's like one of those games where you're like, well, why didn't you just like wait a while before uh you know, a lot of people have just like totally ignored it thinking what they've heard about it at first. You know, it's kind of like No Man's Sky when it first came came out, basically, mm -hmm. where No Man's Sky is apparently an awesome game now, but Anyone who played it at first probably has little to no interest in it now. Yeah, that's exactly the analogy that I was trying to think of. Like when I was talking to my friend about it, I was like, this has got that whole No Man's Sky thing, I bet, where it's going to be like this awesome game that people can't stop talking about in a year. But, you know, lackluster yeah. launch. So, Jason, what do you got going this week? Any pickups? Of course, I think you do have some pickups, but currently playing? Uh, currently playing. Uh, I picked up. I find what well, I, I shouldn't say I just picked up, but I'm starting to get uh, trickles of my mail that have been trapped across the border for months and months. I think the last time they picked up my mail at my PO box was early May. So I'm getting drops of like a giant reusable bag of both figures and games. So Ghost of Tsushima is still in limbo over there, but I got Iron Man VR, which I should have beaten already, to be honest, but, uh, I don't know. To I've toys. been busy setting up stuff in the garage. Well, the toys uh, didn't really do much of those. I mean, uh, behind me, I got them. I've been setting up stuff in my garage and stuff. But uh, yeah, if if I I didn't get all those toys, I would have gotten all the games. A uh, couple other pretty cool games came in as well, though. Um, besides Iron Man VR, I got Demon's Crest. 
nice. for a dirty, dirty yep. cheap deal. A buddy who lives four hours away from me just sent me a, a message and he's like, Hey, why is this Super Nintendo game so much? And I was like, uh, That's not a lot for that at all, man. I don't know if he thinks all Super Nintendo games are like five, ten dollars or something, but uh, yeah, I got it for a hell of a deal. And actually, uh, pertaining to the last time I was on here, you were talking about getting the La Mulana one and two hidden treasure pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I ordered it at the same time, and I finally got that <laughs> too. So we told Did me you get a deal. Switch or PS4? Uh, PS4. Always yes. PS4 if I can help it. You know, yeah, same, it's like same it's like half the price on Switch. Then I'll do that, which is very rarely the case. But especially of, especially platformer games, I tend to have a better time playing on a PS4 than a Switch. I have a better time playing just about any game on the PS4 <laughs> rather than the Switch. I love the Switch, don't get me wrong, but if it's on both, I'm I'm just going PS4 all the way. I don't care about portability because if I'm on the go, I'm the one making it go. Like I'm driving, so mm-hmm. on the go means zero zero to me. But uh, speaking of the Switch, I got all three of the Psycho Shooting Star collections uh, right in a row, so that was cool. I just bought them all at once. So I was like, screw it, I want them all, so I'll get them all. Uh, I also picked up Lost Sphere for the PS4. Um, I thought it was going to be more because it was like one of those uh, only in the Square store things, but it's like super cheap now. So I think for a little bit for the Switch, it was like kind of a collectible, but Did you get... I, like, I, like, I, like, I like my P- RPGs. Do you have its, uh, I think it's I Am Satsuna? Um, the one. No, no I, I don't have that one yet. Uh, I was going to yeah. get it, but I'm not gotcha. I'm in a rush. Uh, yeah, because I, I think kick, I think um, Satsuna is like the first one, and Lost Sphere is the second one, right? Yeah, the sequel. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I just thought it was cheap, so I jump on a deal. I'll, I'll go from buying nothing to buying like a whole bunch of stuff just because I just see a whole bunch of stuff on sale. Uh, I also picked up a, a game I don't he- really hear very much about. It's called Those Who Remain. It uh, came out earlier this year on PS4. It's like a survival horror game kind of in the vein of like alan wake and stuff where it pertains to like staying in the darkness or staying away from the darkness or you just die basically Uh, there's like these beings in the corners and the shadows that are can't get you as long as you stay in the light uh it looked really cool it was really super cheap at walmart so i was like yeah i'll check it out um besides that i got uh all four uh, Final Fantasy games for the original Game Boy. Just on another all at once. I think I did it the same time I grabbed the Psycho collections. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, a couple other things like the Messenger and on Switch and a few things. But, yeah, I don't want to talk about every single game I got. Just those are some highlights. <laughs> Ryan, if you think my collection's crazy, Jason has like double what I have. It's I, mean, I can tell if that's just what he got this week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I kind of, I would love to be in competition with Jason and get like you know see who gets more games a week but i'd probably go broke and be homeless well sometimes buy I, more lottery tickets yeah. sometimes i get sometimes i get nothing for weeks it seems like and then you know like i said it's all at once not just yeah not just online buying just in general yeah and your stuff is delayed at times too hence why you get like 20 30 things at once well yes because covid's really a super yeah. cool thing <laughs> I'd be, I I typically go across like once a week, so I'm not paying like crazy duty bringing it back over, which is why I'm getting the drops instead of like the, you know, the dump truck pull up in front of my house and dump out all my Ghostbusters figures and <laughs> video games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got the Death Stranding collection in Limbo over there too. I'm like, that's going to be a drop on its own because that thing's friggin' massive. Yeah, that, that thing's flipping huge, man. I got it next to me here. Uh, so church, what do you got going this week? What are you currently playing? What do you picked up? Uh, currently playing, I am still working on Ghost of Tsushima. I'm getting there. I, I'm in the the final third of the game, so maybe I'll wrap it up this weekend. I'm not sure. Um, for pickups, uh, not a whole lot, but I did get a few things. Of course, I'm big on limited run. I don't order everything. Very, very specific games that. Uh, sound interesting to me so i went ahead and ordered the uh space channel 5 vr i was like yeah that, that'd be fun that's a, that's a fun game um besides that i also ordered um an art book the art of shante i'm big shante person so of course had to pick that up we've been uh waiting for that one for a little bit and then also received uh 
the Jay and Silent Bob Marlboral uh, for the NES, as well as Indigo Prophecy, which are both limited run releases as well. And then um, one other thing I got was not a game, but a Blu-ray recording of the Near Automata uh, 1218 live orchestra concert. Uh, I went to that show earlier this year in Chicago, but they actually had a recording on Blu-ray of one of the J the Japanese uh, productions. So that's pretty neat to get that. That's mostly it. Nothing, nothing too crazy. And you got anything? So your plan goes to Shimon, and obviously you played her Inflation Deflation this week. Yeah. So uh, yeah, good stuff, man. So all right. So this week I went a little crazy. Uh, I picked up the new NES Lego set that came out. So I jealous. thought about it. I thought about it. Like, I was looking at it. I, I was like, I had it in my cart. I was like, so close to clicking buy, but I, I just didn't. You yeah, know? I mean, uh, it's so I picked up that. And then they also had the starter set. And if you got the starter set, you got a couple freebies. And some of those freebies are going for like 70 bucks right now online. So I'm like, if I ever want them, I don't want to spend $70. So I might as well buy the starter set. Uh, so I may return the starter set to get some of my money back <laughs> and then keep the freebies. But so there was that. Um, and then I also got Final Fantasy one and two. They had a graphic novel that's being released on uh, Amazon. So I picked that up. And let's see. I also got a couple other Lego expansion sets for Mario. So I got the Bowser uh, Castle and then uh, Boo's Mansion or something. I forget the name of it. But uh, those are two that I was like, you know what? Let me get them now because... You know how Lego is, man. They'll either discontinue something or Christmas will come around and things will be crazy. You won't be able to pick it up. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, I sell this stuff <laughs> during Christmas when it's sold out everywhere. And then, oh, yeah. re and then rebuy it in like February. Well, it's Lego coupled with Nintendo. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything and, better than Legos for Christmas? Like when you get to like shake no. the present, see what's inside, and it's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> no, no, no. See, that's when you're a kid and you shake it and you open it and be like, yeah, mega blocks. What the hell's this? <laughs> Only if you had terrible parents, John. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I never I always got Lego. That and big mega blocks for some reason when yeah. I was a kid. It was yeah. So I got that. And then I also picked up, so Jason knows this, as part of my binge of buying Xbox exclusives as much as I can, I picked up uh, 99 Nights, number one, because I'd already had number two. And I also picked up, I think it's Cameo is how you pronounce it. It's a, a game by Rare. Uh, looks pretty sweet. So I picked that one up as well. And they were dirt cheap, so why not? And then I think, I want to say I've got, oh yeah, Guardian Legend. I got that coming in the mail. Nice. Yeah, so I'm super stoked about that. Curse you guys. Like. It's one of my favorite NES games. I love that game. Yeah, it, it was one of those like 20 bucks. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll buy it. Uh, so I got that, and I think that's it for this week. Oh, and I also got the Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl that came in too. Right so on. pretty stoked. And of course, you know, uh, seeing Church's limited run posts every single week, <laughs> for a bit, like seriously, it's like once a week. Uh, he has turned me on to getting like tons of limited run games. So I've got the Ease Origins collection coming through. I'm going to get the Grandia collection. And then I also backed on Kickstarter via Ayudan Chronicles. So I've got that. Um, oh, yeah. 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 I backed that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, I had seen it before you had posted. And then you're like, oh, yeah, the Kickstarter's live. And then, of course, I had to back it. So that, that's a good one, I feel. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we got going on. And uh, currently playing, I finally beat Ukulele in the Forbidden, or not Forbidden, damn it, the Impossible Layer. Jesus. So I beat the. Uh, not so impossible layer because screw the actual impossible layer. Uh, I don't know if you guys mess with that at all, but yeah, I got the it's like one. it's a straight up gauntlet of like 25 minutes of platforming with no no breaks in between if you do the impossible layer. And I was trying to do it with so like the whole game you collect bees and uh, for the, the, the stingdom, I think is what they call in the game. And you're pretty much collecting them, and each bee counts as a hit point pretty much in the impossible layer. And you're supposed to have 48 of them in total. You go through the impossible layer and try to beat it, but it's 25 straight minutes, no breaks, and four boss battles along with all the platforming tied to it. It pretty much takes the level of the game from like here to the difficulty spike through the roof. Like it's absolutely insane how the game just goes that way. Like it's pretty straightforward platforming, feels like Donkey Kong the whole way. And then you just spike that difficulty right at the end and it sucks. So 
I probably had like 32 attempts at a nearly impossible layer with 48 bees. And I finally beat it with zero bees left. Uh, but I kind of felt like after I was done with it, just because of how much repetition, how much I played it, I could probably get through the impossible layer with no problem now, um, straight through without any stops. So it, it, it was a gauntlet for sure. So we beat that. And because we beat that, my wife and I are going to be playing uh, Shadow of Destiny on the PS2. That's our next game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll be looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that one. I picked that one up a couple of years ago because I thought it looked pretty interesting. Yeah, so I picked that one up probably like five bucks when I worked at a game store. I would just find obscure games and, you know, pick them up whenever I could. So that was one of those. And she just kind of randomly pulled it off the shelf and was like, oh, five hours to beat it. Okay, let's play this. Uh, And the other one I'm still playing is Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, I think I'm in like act two, but I'm just enjoying all the open world aspects of that. I hadn't played it any this week because we went camping last week and then played ukulele the rest of the week. So it really was an opportunity for me to play it, but I do intend on picking that back up uh, probably tomorrow. So good stuff, man. Uh, All right, so let's get started on our articles this week. The first one is Apple confirms cloud gaming services like xCloud and Stadia violate app store guidelines. And that's by Nick Strat at The Verge. Uh, So Church, I'll toss this one over to you first. What are your thoughts on Apple being like, screw you to Microsoft and Google? I'm not surprised. I'm I'm not a fan of Apple myself, and they're very, they're very much about keeping like a stranglehold on anything that is released on their platforms. So, allowing essentially competitors to provide arguably or debatably better gaming services than like Apple Arcade, um, you know, I, I, I I'm not surprised. I'm really not. It's it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's what it is. Well, Jason, you being the uh, the big Xbox fan that you are, what are your thoughts on Apple giving you the middle finger? Uh, get right back to them. I really don't care about any of this Xbox <laughs> stuff in general. Uh, I'm I'm using an iPhone right now, and I, I don't I don't really care that it's not syncing with my Xbox or whatever that they're trying to do there. It's like I don't know. That's what TVs are for. I don't need to stream things to everything like phone, especially Apple devices with their shitty batteries. Uh, they die quickly trying to do anything outside of texting and you know, messenger. So no big deal there. No loss. If you want to, you know, you'd stream it somewhere, but then you'd have to have it. I think Jason cut off on us. So hopefully he's uh, still talking on the main recording. Uh, so I'll go ahead and give my thoughts on this too. Uh, he'll obviously come back and recording here pretty soon. So I honestly think it's super laughable, you guys, that Apple's doing this, uh, mainly because Microsoft is super strict. So I don't know how much work you guys have done Microsoft in, in the past. Just... Oh, there he goes. Uh, we'll get back to you in a minute, Jason. I'll, I'll finish my thought on this. So Microsoft is like super strict with what they do. So I've had to deal with them in, in various occasions on on several things, and. They're just like, it's this way and that's it. Like, there's no other way you can do it. So seeing another company come through and be like, nope, that's our guidelines. Like, you got to follow through with it. And if you don't, we're not going to offer your service. I think it's pretty funny. Um, And then the other part of this, too, is like with xCloud, there's so many other ways to play this. So, yeah, you can't use it on, say, your iPhone, but you can go get like a cheap tablet or you can get anything else that may be able to support this and be okay. Or you could just stream it on your computer or whatever it may be. Uh, so I really don't think this is going to be an issue, um, you know, moving forward. And I honestly kind of like the idea of Apple just being like, no, screw you. You're going to either give us 30% of a cut for all of your subscription fees, which is noted in this article, or you're not going to have it on here at all. Uh, so while it's not consumer friendly, at the same time, I do kind of get it, you know, to kind of echo Church's point. It, it's a better service overall of xCloud and um, with Stadia. So it makes sense for Apple to be like, now we're going to stand our ground. You're going to give us a cut and then we're going to be able to offer our Apple arcade to our consumers. And that's it. So I get it. Jason, uh, you want to finish your thoughts that you had before you got cut off? Or I think he might be paused again. <laughs> Ryan, we'll, we'll turf it over to you, man. Okay. So I think that that's definitely, you know, it's got to be frustrating when you're trying to break into these types of services and, you know, it's, the doors are open and they're going to keep pushing, 
you know, online cloud-based services moving forward. So it's only a matter of time until, you know, Apple finally caves or, you know, the other side caves. Like somebody's going to cave here because that's too big of an audience with a big install base to try to just totally ignore. And also like, I love my iPad. Like it's a nice, clear, good size screen. Like if I could just like wirelessly hook a controller up to that and play anything like that's awesome. Like that's totally worth it in my opinion. And uh, in the article, they mention another company shadow, which is basically like renting a computer remote access for playing games or whatever. And that service is allowed to work on their system because of the way that it functions, I guess is different than how, you know, X clouded stadia are trying to do it. And that's 1199 a month, which is cheaper than Gamefly, which I've been paying for and actively not using very well. So, you know, for someone like me who just has, you know, an okay laptop, but no integrated graphics card in it, that could be a good alternative because it would allow me to play, you know, some of these game pass games and you know just some steam games and stuff that i couldn't do on my own hardware on the go on the ipad that could be fun something to look into um but like if they're already on there it really you know it, it'll come it'll happen eventually it might not happen like day one launch and i don't think anybody really has said that stadia is really that worth investing in right now anyway so it might just need to you know those services not, might need to ramp up their own off ios platform user bases and get those numbers juicy enough to where apple's like okay we know you want our big numbers but now we kind of want some of your big numbers too yeah and i think one of the you know the key things that's noted here uh for this article is like apple does i don't think apple really has an issue with microsoft being on their application, it's just, I think it's more of a matter of a back end of like, look, we're not getting any real financial gain from this. So you either give us a cut and then we'll let you on, or you have to follow our guidelines. Everybody so, wants a taste. Yeah, everybody wants a piece of it and it makes sense. And obviously Apple has their own, you know, application on there for Apple Arcade. So why would they, you know, in a sense, risk losing a user base of Apple Arcade members by offering Xbox on there. Cause I mean, we know a lot of Apple fans are super avid about Apple products. Like they're going to have a Mac, they're going to have an iPad, they're going to have an iPhone and like 10 million other items that you could get cheaper on an Android. Uh, so it, it only makes sense that they would want to kind of keep that at home. Uh, Church, you got any final thoughts on that before we uh, move on, man? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not super versed in the quality of Apple's arcade and that stuff. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more biased against Apple just because of like IT support. I, I have just bitter tastes from what I deal with. So I'm a little biased, so I might be a little harsh, but yeah, once, once it's financially beneficial for them to add Microsoft and Google uh, or xCloud and Stadia, I'm sure they will. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, dude, you had mentioned uh, Apple Arcade and kind of quality on that. So just a reminder to folks out there, of course, you can find the Game Deflators podcast on thegamedeflators.com. Uh, we've also got our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram. And then, uh, of course, YouTube and such. And we did do an episode a while back. Uh, at, it was episode 47. So we had Vectrix Arcade versus Apple Arcade. So if anybody's interested in kind of hearing our thoughts on the Apple Arcade when it first came out, uh, check us out on there. And you can find those episodes on Spotify, Podbean, uh, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, etc. So uh, next article we got, man, is going to be Spider-Man is being held hostage in Marvel's Avengers by Sony, and it has to stop. Uh, I honestly don't think it has to stop, but uh, this is by Adam Vigestica at Tech Radar. So uh, I have a feeling Church and I may be on the same side on this. So Ryan, uh, let's go ahead and hear that differing opinion on Spider-Man being held hostage. I mean, it's definitely some bullshit. Like people, people are paying the same price for two versions of the game that are going to have different content. And 
you know, that happens all the time with like extras or costumes or, you know, certain exclusive things between editions. Like that's understandable. But like if they're trying to make it out, like, you know, Spider-Man is like a core part of the Avengers, even though he's not been in any of the promotional footage that I've seen. I'm wondering how big of a character he's actually going to be in the game. Like if he's just going to be one of those characters that's in the background and doesn't do anything to move the game forward, that's kind of one thing. But like if they actually have to go in and tweak differences of the game to like completely remove that character or I guess just make him like a non-playable NPC that appears in the game. Like there's going to be some kind of distinct differences that would make these games kind of separate things. Uh, and that's kind of bullshit. And the other thing is that like, I get it, you know, Sony's been fighting everybody over Spider-Man forever. Like, you know, the Spider-Man and the Sony uh, PlayStation three, they had the same font and stuff. Uh, you know, they've been duking it out with Marvel over what movie Spider-Man's allowed to be in. But I I don't really remember this being a big deal before, like, the Spider-Man PS4 game. I mean, Spider-Man's in all the copies of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, and that's a multi-platform game. Like, why is he allowed to be playable in there and not, you know, this title? Like, why are they... I think it's because it's kind of, you know people were saying it looks like a B-movie knockoff of, like, the Avengers cast. Like, this is obviously closely, you know, uh, at least visually aligned with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think they like leaning into that, so they want to try to keep that IP and that kind of stance that they have on that IP, but I don't know, man. Just let people play as Spider-Man, like, or, you know, if you really want to play as Spider-Man, I guess you're just going to have to buy into to sony's bs and get it yes yeah, so uh dude i'm i'm on the opposite side of this so i 100 percent am with sony on it it's their ip they put the money towards it and it only makes sense that they wouldn't put on another system like look microsoft is out buying various studios and taking away games from other players so it's exclusive on their console yet we hear whining about oh well i'm not getting spider-man Boohoo. Like you've got Senua, you've got Banjo Kazooie that you've held hostage for years until recently in the Switch. They at least put him in as a playable character. Uh, honestly, it, it's it's whatever. There's so many other games that they could play. And while you don't get Spider Man, you have so much more if it's available on your platform. And Microsoft is only going to keep buying more studios. Like it doesn't make sense for anybody to be crying about this. So that's well, yeah, that's honestly like my overall thoughts. When you go to like a platform for exclusive games, like you understand that getting that console, like those games are going to be exclusive, but like Marvel is like outside of consoles. Like Marvel exists in the world at large all over the place. Like, and to take just a tiny little piece of that away is kind of greedy. It doesn't seem like this was really an issue until the whole Disney uh sony battle so i think that's ultimately what it boils down to i know jason had a little bit more stake in this because he's big big spider-man guy and uh for him i know his view was well i have all the systems so it doesn't bother me at all i know for other folks like yeah that that's definitely a drag to not to not get a character but this isn't necessarily something new because I mean, look at like the uh, soul caliber back on like Xbox and PlayStation three when you had one that had what uh, like link on the GameCube and you had spawn on one and Vader on another. So it, it's nothing new, but it is what it is. I mean, why, why is anybody ultimately surprised by this at this point mainly just because of what the whole marvel universe has become it's it's all uh people battling over uh, copyright and whatnot yeah it's all kind of like a financial game at this point which yeah. you know it it totally makes sense it's not consumer friendly but i get it like i totally do i mean there's nothing i mean there's so many other ways to play these games anyways 
And a lot of consumers have both an Xbox and a PS4 or various consoles. So if you don't like if you are an Xbox fan, you happen to have a PS4 then get it on the, the PS4. But at the end of the day, though, is this even going to be a good game? And uh, I've heard some people say it's not going to be a good game. Well, yeah. with the with what Church was saying about like how, you know, the different soul calibers had like different characters, like there hasn't been any announcement as far as I know of like a Microsoft exclusive character that's not going to be in the sony version so it's like literally two different amounts of content for the same price tag and like we're you know we're all interested in how much games cost for the consumer so like do you think that that's fair to just literally Mm. get an inferior product for the same price yeah that's a good point i wonder if it'll end up being like a maybe a timed exclusivity thing that's kind of what I was thinking, maybe like, you know, a year down the road, throw it out as like a free download or something. Well, yeah, there's so many games I've had times exclusivity uh, over the years. Anyways, like Bioshock being one of the big ones years ago, it was promoted as like this big Xbox game and ended up on PS3 not long after. So I think it was like a year or two exclusive deals. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see this going either way. Either it stays on Sony or it goes, you know to both over time and one thing that people always seem to forget is like back in the soul caliber two days when everybody got like their own exclusive character for a console i think it was spawn on the xbox uh link on the gamecube and then you had uh heiachi um on the ps2 i want to say so yeah it's it's one of those things that we'll see how it plays out over time but as of right now nobody needs to be crying over it yeah yeah Okay, so uh, just a note, uh, Jason's internet did crap out. Uh, we'll end up, luckily we got this backup recording here uh, since he had some file troubles as well on his PC. So uh, unfortunately he can't join us for the rest of the episode, but we'll miss uh, you, Jason. We'll miss you, yes. We'll, we'll have you on next time. We'll get you on here again. Uh, so let's talk about some platformers, you guys. So top five platformers of all time. So we're playing uh, Journey to Silius this week as our inflation deflation. Uh, that's primarily like a run and gun, but it has those, it's essentially a platformer, right? Mm-hmm. And if you put in this, you can put it in the same category. So we decided, let's talk about our top five. So and we'll, run- we'll preempt this list with saying that like, when you look into what is a platformer, there's like <laughs> a few different definitions of what a platformer is. Like there's definitely some, established genres out there that are considered their own genres that are you know definitely have their their hearts and their roots in platforming so you know it can be as broad or as narrow as you want to define it so you know don't get mad at us if we've got stuff on this list that isn't you know a platformer only like metroidvanias (laughs) yeah everything that people are going to be angry about uh so uh, church let's kick it off to you first man you're the guest on here what are your top five yeah so i uh we, we talked a little bit before the podcast and i i struggle with coming up with lists like this because there's so many factors um you know do i do i factor in nostalgia do i factor in pioneering games do i factor in ones i've just enjoyed the most and i kind of went with that direction i ended up with two lists but i'm just gonna go with my my uh non metroidvania list because my other list is all metroidvanias because i absolutely love metroidvania so uh my all-time or no wait we're going five five to one right yeah but do you not have three lists like one is just all shantae (laughs) <laughs> there's you know there, there there's some in the series that aren't as good as some other games so no uh but there is shante on this list but um i kind of went more with uh things that i tried to factor out nostalgia on my list so a, a lot of these ended up being very modern games uh and i'm fine with that you know i i i, the, I love the classics too but we're going modern on my list. So my number five is Celeste. Nice. I was reading about that recently. It's on a lot of people's top like five and ten lists. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh I it's one of those like kind of it, it's a challenging game, but I won't say it's as frustrating as something like Super Meat Boy or anything like that. Um 
then again, I haven't played Super Meat Boy, but I was able to get through uh, Celeste with, you know, some effort, you know, patience. You need patience, but uh, supported by its its wonderful story and the soundtrack uh, really, really made it uh, something I think everybody should play. Did you get like all the strawberries and all the B-sides and stuff? I did. I did. Uh, only, only part in the game that I really got uh roadblocked on was the dlc uh like it's like a bonus chapter which is it's insane it goes from manageable difficulty to like you need to be at one with the controls and the mechanic and (laughs) i'm not not that good so i just uh that has some really great accessibility options for those who want to get through the game you can turn on like you know, no damage, or you can just constantly jump through the air. So I ended up doing that through the final chapter, just so I could see the story through. Um, but yeah, I, I I went, I enjoyed it so much, I went for everything through my playthrough. Uh, should I keep going down my list, or are we all going through five and then? Yeah, just go go through your list, and then we'll get okay. to the final one, and we'll we'll kind of deep dive into the final one and why it's your favorite. Uh, so number four is. Technically, it's a platformer. Some people might debate this one a little bit, uh, but uh, I went with Inside, which it's a very interesting game. It is basically the entire game. You're going uh, left to right, uh, exploring through these areas. There is no direct story. It's all interpreted through the environment and what you're seeing. Uh, The game's very moody and very atmospheric. And it's a very interesting mystery and in how it's presented as you progress through the game. And again, uh, this was a game that got lots of Game of the Year awards, Indie Game of the Year awards of the year it came out. And I would definitely recommend that one. Uh, number three, uh, with one that it's probably going to be on maybe somebody's list, maybe somebody listening, uh, Shovel Knight. And... Uh, it's hard to argue a shovel knight. <laughs> Just Always they did it so well. And on top of the game itself, all the the free DLC expansions, like you get so much game. It's incredible. And like the Plague Knight, the Spectre Knight, and the 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 King Knight campaigns are vastly different. It's not you're just playing through the same levels again with the same characters. They they mixed everything up, new abilities, like oh, it's just it's so good. Uh, number two, now we're getting into stuff that if people who might be familiar with me wouldn't be surprised about, but I went with Shantae Half-Genie Hero. I love the Shantae series. If, for anybody who doesn't know me, I'm, I have like claim, I'm claiming the world's largest Shantae collection for arbitrary reasons. And Half-Genie Hero, uh, I think is just a solid game. There's a non-free DLC uh, campaigns you can get for that. But uh, hand-drawn art style, Jake Kaufman soundtrack, just excellent platforming. And then to top my list off, number one, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Hands down, my favorite platformer ever. It's not a Metroidvania. They they previously were Metroidvania-styled games. This one took more of a kind of like a hybrid approach, but it's just uh, amazing pixel art. Excellent gameplay again. Jake Kaufman soundtrack. He's like one of my favorite uh, chiptune composers, and just so much fun and personality and humor in those games. I think I, I would really encourage everybody to check out uh, at least Shantae and the Pirates Curse if you haven't played any of the Shantae series. We'll have to do that. I've never. Played I, I've, wa- I've wanted to. For, don't say that. He'll jump off the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you'll you'll have a brick coming all the way from minnesota to arizona man yeah Never okay <laughs> what's uh so drum roll for your uh your number one what's your number one man oh my number one was shantan the pirate's curse god Absolutely. man i i just spaced like i'm i'm on here if like <laughs> jason at the same time well, I, I skipped over half genie hero so fast oh okay i was like you were you're still in shantan like okay so Okay, so two Shantae's as uh, number one and number two. Yeah, absolutely. That does not surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> and again, I want to say uh, no, like I could have put other classic games on. Like I'm not disregarding those games. It's just I think some Personal. of the innovations that 
that modern games have made are should be dismissed. Makes sense, man. So, uh, do you want to go through another list here? Oh, I, well, I'll just run down. So my my Metroidvania list was uh, number five, Rabbi Reby. Number four, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Then Shantae, Half Genie Hero, Hollow Knight. And then at the top again, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Very nice. Uh, Very Ryan... similar. Uh, Shantae's got to be on <laughs> every list, right? Favorite uh, RPG, some Shantae. <laughs> sure, sure. Don't you own like every Shantae product? that you can get your hands on uh pretty much every officially licensed shantae product i have like i said uh soon here once some more limited run stuff shows up i will be attempting to get a uh, guinness world record because why not it's just this route i've went down go for it man so uh <laughs> if you get that we'll have officially had two world record holders oh, yeah. on our podcast yeah between jason and his <laughs> world record and then you <laughs> yeah we're we're, we're trying to do something a little different yeah it's yeah. good stuff man <laughs> uh so i'll go into my list and we'll close out with ryan uh so number five you are correct sir shovel knight is on my list so uh i did enjoy that game quite a bit i played on the wii u and it was just a ton of fun uh definitely enjoyed that one and just to be upfront, i went ahead with the route of like picking a game from almost every generation of gaming uh, all the way back to super nintendo i uh, just thought it was a pretty good route to go here i tried to pick kind of my favorites from each system uh in that era uh the next one is crash bandicoot 3 on the playstation 1 fantastic game i mean come on if you didn't play crash bandicoot as a kid i don't know what you were doing uh maybe playing mario 64 uh the next one i've got is ratchet and clank going commando the ratchet and clank series is one of my all-time favorite series of any game and Going Commando is really the first one I played, so there's a nostalgia factor in there. But it's also just a blast. Like, it, it by far blew number one out of the water, had a lot of great weapons, and it kind of, for me, really put me into that, um, into that style of game uh, moving forward. So because of Ratchet and Clank, it opened the doors for many other games, such as like the Jack and Daxter series. It kind of opened me up to ukulele got me to want to play Banjo-Kazooie. Um, while those games may not have all the same weaponry and other things that are occurring in Ratchet & Clank, it's that same style, and it's really what got me into it. Uh, the next one is Super Mario Odyssey. So anybody that heard back on our episode, uh, I can't remember which one, uh, but we discussed our top 10 Mario games of all time. Uh, Mario Odyssey was my number one. I had a blast playing this game uh, several months, well, really more or less a year ago at this point. Got 100% on it. Truly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. And then uh, my number one here is going to be Donkey Kong Country 3. There's going to be a ton of hate that comes my way <laughs> from the people like DKC2 is the best game or Tropical Freeze blows it out of water. Look, there's a nostalgia component that comes with this too. DKC3 was the first Donkey Kong that I actually played. Uh, it was one of the first games I actually owned. I still have my original copy from when I was a kid. I have 100% this game several times. Uh, and it's just a blast. Like it's what truly got me into platforming. Like this is the game that got me into it. Yeah, I had Super Mario World. I had Lost Levels, Super Mario Three, all of those things growing up. This was the the game that set me up to do that. And honestly, I've got tons of Donkey Kong stuff because of it. I've got three posters overlooking me right here. Uh, Donkey Kong piggy bank, uh, little Donkey Kong figures, a Donkey Kong Super Nintendo set behind me. Like. Tons of cool stuff. I've absolutely loved the series. The Tropical Freeze and Donkey Kong Country Returns. Those are fantastic games as well. And this really kind of set it for me. And then, yeah, I did obviously play number two and number one uh, years later. But they just... The amount of stuff that you get to do in three, the open world type of aspect that's tied to it, is just super cool. Like all the unlockables, the banana birds, uh, the different... Uh, you know, vehicles that you can use to get the secret areas going around the volcano several times to be able to get up the, um, you know, this, the lost level or whatever, essentially the lost levels of that game. It's all fantastic. So anybody wants to shit on me about it. I love the game. Like I can't say much more than that. So Ryan, pass it off to you, man, your top five. Okay. So platformers, not my biggest genre but I have played a number of them. And uh, I'm going to start number five with original Donkey Kong. That was like 
a big one for me as a kid. So, you know, eh, I know that it's not the best of the series, but it's the one that has the most nostalgia for me. And then I went with uh, Crash Bandicoot 3 because it is the best Crash Bandicoot game of them all. And, uh, you know, it was on John's list. It's on my list. It's number four. That's a good spot for it. We'll keep it right there. Number three for me, I'm going with Symphony of the Night because when I was Googling platformers, it came up as a platformer. So I'm counting it. <laughs> it's an awesome game. I just beat it for the first time this year. Love it. I love Great it. Great game. Uh, Super Mario World. Classic. You know, uh, there's so many good Marios out there to pick from, but like, just like the game that made me realize, oh, wait, there's like secret areas and extra stuff. Like, what's the Star Road nonsense? Like, why are there different colored Yoshis? Like, there's so much to explore in that game. And like, at that young age, it really was like, okay, games are a little bit more than what they appear to be. Like, there's more going on here than what's just on the surface. So, there's just so much in there. And like, it really, you know, codified a lot of things that moving forward would build and build and build and make Mario like just keep steamrolling into the Titanic juggernaut it became today. But uh, I'm going to throw over with Church and say that I think that modern games have a lot to offer. So my favorite platformer is The Messenger, which came out a couple years ago. It was that uh, ninja game where it has like the. 8-bit and then you transition into the future with like the 32-bit and uh, the music changes the visuals change there's like so much in that game that like I just absolutely fell in love with and I actually beat that game I never was able to get to the DLC on this one though because there was a a bug that if you beat the game before the DLC, it wouldn't save that you'd beat the game. So you'd have to go back through and do the final boss fight again, which is really hard. And after not playing the game for like a year and then trying to pick it back up at like the ultimate peak where you should have honed all your skills was just too much for me to do. But I would like to go back to this one eventually. I think that it brought a lot to the table and really showed people like, you know, uh, how you can play with, the world and how you can kind of play with like the history of video games in a way that is very interesting and shows like this, this dynamic that you can take and literally make, you know, one time period look like an old game and one time period look like a more modern version of that same game and play around with those styles was really interesting to me. Really fun. The humor in there is great. There's so much like, uh meta contextual stuff like when you're talking with people and then like later on it's like holy cow like th the time travel has made all of this stuff like absolutely nuts and you don't really get why things played out the first time and then in retrospect you're like okay so it, i love how it kind of builds on itself over time it's just it's great i recommend it to anybody yeah i i have the uh was it special reserve games did a physical release for that and it's Super high on my backlog. I've been dying to play that game. It's just now it's shuffled in a little ways, but hopefully soon. Hopefully There's soon. always something good to play. <laughs> so uh, speaking of our platformers here and Metroidvanias and running guns and everything else, uh, this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge is a Journey to Silius on the NES. So this game was developed by Sunsoft. It was published by Sunsoft. Uh, it was released in September of 1990. It's technically a running gun. And the reception overall in this game was a six out of eight, kind of all over, but the music is widely praised. And I think all of us can agree on that after playing the game. Uh, fantastic music. So, <clears throat> Church, you actually beat the game. Mm -hmm. I think Jason beat it as well. What were your thoughts overall? You hadn't played this game before, right? Yeah, I hadn't played it before. Knew about it. I always heard positive things. So I'm kind of surprised that it would get, like, sixes. It seems... I, I well it didn't really get a six i averaged it out because like egm rates on a scale of 40 and like somebody else mm. rates on a scale of 25 and it's like what are those numbers so when, <laughs> sure. you, when you do the math it comes out to like six seven it's kind of three to right five. right we don't we don't do fake news on this podcast come on now <laughs> making fake news all right let's just say it's an eight all right it's an eight out of ten i mean it's a solid game uh i had no issues with the platforming uh combat seemed very fair uh it's one of those games where you, you 
you're, you're gonna die and you just keep playing and you kind of get the the levels memorized down enough where you can you know dip and dive your way through uh design was great uh of course the music yeah it's sunsoft sunsoft has always has fantastic music so i i thoroughly enjoyed the game i'm really glad uh that we played it yeah it remind so... everybody of like uh mega man kind of yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah you know, every time you beat the boss you get like the new gun power up that you can switch to and you try to like manage your your bar of how much like ammo you have for your special weapons and stuff uh lots of different types of robot enemies all coming at you from every which away they even have like you know those little laser things on the ground kind of remind me of the mets how you can't shoot them unless they mm -hmm. come up yeah absolutely yeah and uh it seemed like it's it's more run and gun uh people say it specifically it's a running gun it's also a platformer but it's a running gun more like your mega mans or uh contra but without the like in level power-ups and whatnot god i wish there was in level power-ups <laughs> yeah like, so i got to uh the end of the second uh level i was playing at like midnight so i was like ready to go to bed anyways uh so i enjoyed it man apparently there's actually a cheat where i think it's on the on the home screen you're supposed to be like 30 times or 33 times apparently and then it allows you to add more continues uh i was oh, playing what? via yeah, so I was playing via emulation, though. So I was like, I could just do save states if I wanted to. Uh, I, I didn't, actually, funny enough. Mm, uh, but to sure. Church's point, man, like, no. I mean, dude, I'll screen cap it for you if you want me to. So, <laughs> like, the save states would still be there if it was. So I I would have to echo Church on that. It's There's a difficulty spike at first. But once you really kind of get those patterns down and memorize the levels it's not a problem so like towards the end of level two there's several areas where like you drop down and like you literally drop in front of an enemy who's shooting a beam mm -hmm. like there's nothing you can do like you're gonna get hit and so it just kind of got to a point where it's like all right i know i have to drop at this point crouch immediately and start shooting my gun like right away to try and destroy this enemy so once you kind of get the hang of those uh, pieces of the game and then really understand uh when to crouch when not to crouch obviously the types of weapons you use on various enemies, it comes so quickly. Uh, so I had a lot of fun with it. The music really kind of kept me going. And as much as I wanted to keep playing, so it's it's like 12.30, 12.40 when I'm playing this game. I'm like, man, I want to go to bed, but I still want to play this game. So I'm going to have to jump back into it and and try and beat it. It's, it's not something I typically do. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we play these games, I'll, I'll try to go back and play them every now and then. Uh, but I try to stick to like one game and, you know, play that for a while. And then if I want to go back to these, I will down the road, but this is one I, I really feel confident I'm going to jump back into and try and complete. And it's not even a long game. It's like five or six levels, I think overall. So once you hit level two, level three, you're already halfway through anyways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was playing emulation on my, uh, Game Boy micro and I was just kind of hanging out and it's like, you know, after I'd lose some continues, get up take a break, whatever, turn the console all the way off, turn it back on. And it really only takes you, you know, 10 minutes. Like once you've got like the patterns down to get through, like, you know, the first level. And once you can get through the first level without dying, then it becomes like a lot easier to keep going. I think that this is definitely a game. Like I would want to go back to and play through as well, just because it is challenging, but fair challenging. And it's not, um, it has enough mechanics going on with like the different weapons and trying to manage those that it is like less less trial and error and kind of more room for experimentation like you know it's not like there's only one way to go like i notice a, a few spots like in level two where you're doing the the like zigzag kind of drop down and it had that like circle that would shoot the bullets out in all the different directions it's like well, if I drop down to the left side or I drop down to the right side, like I can see kind of the benefits of either way. And it's like if I had the ammo now, I could drop down to this side and be able to shoot up at an angle. And I could see, you know, there's not enough there for me to like call it the best, you know, run a gun or best platformer. Like it's definitely not on my list, but it was interesting enough that I do think it would be worth revisiting. I would I would hashtag this as one of those hidden gems 
on the NES. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how, uh, what's his name? Metal Jesus likes to say everything's a hidden gem, apparently. Absolutely. Um, so I, I thought it was pretty good. So overall, Brass Tacks here. Uh, the most expensive version of this game is the PAL NES version, which is complete at 132.37. Uh, the cheapest version is an NES loose cart sitting at 35 bucks. If you're looking at this from a complete in box standpoint, $75. It peaked at 99.99, so we'll just say 100 bucks back in August of 2015. That price point is obviously trending down. And then from a loose perspective, $35 now, and that's actually the peak, and that game price is going up. Uh, from a loose cart perspective. So, uh, Church, we'll start with you. Uh, do you think at the $35 price point that is currently going for uh, eliminating the aspect of COVID uh, being one of the major factors the game price is going up, do you think this game is inflated or deflated? Well, 35 uh, or Or just right, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, 35 isn't like uh that high of a price but i would say for most people i think 35 would be more like your mega mans or i i know mega man games tend to go for a little bit more some of them so i would probably say 35 is uh inflated a bit i i think maybe like 20 bucks like i could i'd feel really good about 20 bucks for this game I mean, this just this broke the twenty dollar barrier and kind of hasn't dipped back below it since July twenty fourteen. So for the last six years, it's been hanging out in the twenty dollar range, and just since COVID, did it really breach that thirty dollars? So mm. I think you're right. I think a twenty dollars sounds a lot better than thirty five. Yeah, I'd agree with you guys on that. Twenty bucks for this game would be great. Obviously, thirty five bucks right now is the going rate. Uh, but we do understand that there is a price, a price spike in a lot of these games currently. I think you've even got GameCube games that were like 40 bucks going for 100 right now. So uh, I have no doubt that that $35 price point is purely COVID spike at this point. So I like the box art. I wish it wasn't so expensive for the complete in box mm -hmm. version. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, that art is actually pretty sweet. So music and art is is great. Uh, all right, so I think we are all set on this. This game is currently inflated, but it is totally worth it if you find it for 20 bucks. It's definitely a great game overall. We all had a lot of fun playing it, and uh, I say we'd highly recommend this one. Yeah. So, all right, so uh, that actually does it for this week's episode. Uh, Ryan, I think it's not next week, but uh, two weeks from now we'll be releasing... Um, no, actually, we'll have uh, Dana Kay and... Um, the next to nothing podcast in several weeks on here. So we'll be releasing our, our PS2 episode on our collecting and budget collecting at the end of August. And then next week we'll have a regularly scheduled episode followed by Dana Kay and the next to nothing podcast in several weeks. That's a lot going on, man. We get a lot. Uh, I think Ryan, so next week I think we're playing a uh, wolf child on the Sega Genesis wolf child. Wolf child. So we'll, we'll back to the Genesis, that. back to trying to get that three button controller to work. Ryan absolutely sucks at the Genesis, so this is going to be <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, Church, you want to let everybody know where uh, they can find you and Jason one last time before we end this episode? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know I can speak on Jason's behalf that uh, it's he's uh, bummed out that uh, things fell through, but, you know, it happens. So for uh, Jason and I both, uh, we are on the Game Tennis Podcast, and you can find it on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, podcast apps, Apple podcasts, just look up, uh, the game tennis podcast and you'll find those. Uh, it's also hosted on my YouTube channel and my YouTube channel is the game grinder and I can be found on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you look up, uh, the game grinder and Jason is available on YouTube, uh, Facebook and Twitter as corpse flood gaming. Sounds good, oh, man. and we also, oh. uh, sorry, uh, Jason also is part of the Super Enabler Bros uh, podcast, yeah. which is him and Chris, the old ass retro gamer, which is hosted on Jason's YouTube channel. Yeah, and that's also an awesome podcast. So definitely check that one out if you haven't. I think they're on like episode eight or nine. They're, they're below 10, I think. Yes. And uh, yeah, that, that's a good one for sure. So uh, similar to Church and uh, Jason, you can find us on YouTube as well uh, at 
the Game Deflators. Uh, we are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, find us on all those podcast applications as well and thegamedeflators.com. Uh, Leave so, everyone six star reviews. Even our guests, they would appreciate those extra stars. They would, or as, or as Jason put it a few weeks back, uh, leave two five star reviews on separate accounts. It'll be great. You double in it up. <laughs> so, dude, thanks for uh, coming on. Um, you know, it sucks that uh, Jason ended up dropping out the last minute here of his internet, but we'll have you guys back on, of course, in the near future. Awesome. And, thanks for having uh, me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So this has been episode 92 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.